You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Mason Stiver. Hey, Mike. Tony Groves. Howdy, gentlemen. Tony Rochette. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Matt Malone. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, well, thanks for coming, and my voice is gone. (laughs) Wow, I have a laryngitis, so I'll start with that. And so I won't try to talk too much, but let's get right into the interview. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Um, let's start by learning a little bit about you and uh, tell us about when you first heard the word iRacing and when did you first get involved? I first heard the word iRacing when I was doing some YouTube research on some new uh, pedals and steering wheel because I was at the time playing a lot of console gaming like Forza Motorsports. And I had an old Xbox wheel and pedal set that were, you know, it's all plastic and I wanted something better. So I started looking around and I think I came across like inside sim racing or something, you know, and they were talking about iRacing. I said, what what, what is this iRacing thing? And at first I was very intimidated just by seeing videos of it and stuff like that. And then I got into it and I haven't looked back since that was, no, that was years ago. Yeah, you've been around six years so far, it says. Um, I was just looking at your stats here, your overall winning percentage on road, 16%. Uh, that's pretty good. That's that's probably because uh, of all the Mazda races I do. <laughs> I usually right. don't win the uh, the big GT races, but every once in a while I get in there. Um, but uh, yeah, six years. Wow, that, I was going to say four or five years, but... Uh, yeah, six years been doing iRacing. It's been a lot of fun. Well, absolutely. Uh, tell us about your setup. What kind of hardware do you have? Wheels, pedals? Right now I got the Heisenfeld uh, pedals, just the Pro pedals, and I'm running a Fanatic V2.0 wheelbase with the Porsche RSR rim. I've had that for probably, well, I've had the V2.0. Uh, I got... I was involved in the first uh, batch that was sent out when they first came out with it. So I've had that for like four years now. Um, got a Thrustmaster H pattern shifter that I love because I do a lot of the Mazda and Mustang and stuff. Um, yeah, sitting on a aluminum profiling 8020 rig by uh, 4Play. And got some button boxes from Derek Spears, uh, triple monitors. I got an eye flag. I'm just looking around. I'm sitting in my rig right now, just looking around. It's it, you know, it, it's years in the making. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty well set up I'm in a good place right now with equipment. Do you like that Porsche rim for the ovals? Yeah, um, it's pretty big. I mean, it's a wide wheel, so I mean, it'd be kind of nice to get a, a true oval rim, something a little bit bigger. But uh, no, I, I do like it. It, it works for me. All that's right. What, that's what I use on the ovals as well. Yeah. Now, what? Why you're famous in in i racing? And I say the word famous is if you go to most i racers and you say, name somebody in i racing that you know about, 
the word, the name Matt Malone might come up. And why is you, you're on Twitch. You're a streamer. Uh, you've been streaming for a long time. Uh, tell us about your, your channel. Uh, where is it taking you? What opportunities has it given you? Uh, and tell us about your stream. Uh, yeah, so right now, um, yeah, streaming on Twitch, just twitch.tv slash Matt Malone. Um, I changed my username. Back in the day, it was Showdown1983, and I always thought that was kind of dumb. I don't know why I ever came up with that username, but uh, since iRacing, you're forced to use your actual name. People know me as Matt Malone, so I was able to change my stream name to uh, Matt Malone. Um, yeah, I just started, uh, I didn't know anything about Twitch. I started iRacing. Met some uh, people in races that said that they were streaming on Twitch. I said, uh, what the heck is that? Give me a link. I'll go. And, uh, yeah, went over there, and there they are streaming the race. They're watching replay, you know, watching replay of me. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. It's kind of like YouTube, but everything's live. And uh, I just really was blown away by the whole thing. It just really interests me. And I'm like, wait a minute. How? I was like, how could I stream my races and then a couple of Google searches here and there. You just get a little piece of software and you can start streaming your races. You can have chat open and uh, start talking with people. Um, I just really just gravitated towards it really quick. It was right up my alley. Um, but yeah, I mean, back then, you know, just to stream your races. I mean, iRacing is very niche to begin with. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I just love doing. So I did it. I, I didn't care about how many people were watching or, you know, I had no idea what it would turn into and it's turned into this crazy community that we've, uh, built up and, you know, it's just kind of like a place where people that are involved in the community can go and hang out. And, uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And it's given me huge opportunities. I mean, you know, people contact me, you know, asking about, you know, hey, how about you do this for us? Or, hey, we'll send you this. And, hey, why don't you come to Road Atlanta? Why don't you come to Germany? Why don't you come to Spain and 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 do this, that, and the other thing and make some content? And, yeah, I mean, I'm just really just blown away by all the opportunities it's given me. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just playing a video game, you know. I mean, I mean let's boil it down to what it is. We're just racing fake cars on fake tracks, you know, and it's it's just turned into this unbelievable uh, experience that I do every day, and it's it's been a lot of fun, and I, I I can't thank the the viewers and the community enough because they're they're really responsible for. I mean, you you, you said it, I didn't. The, my my fame, if you will. Um, I, I just think of it as it's a great community. My channel happens to be a place where people come to uh, to be part of the community. It's kind of like a hub that people can gravitate towards and and just talk about sim racing, hang out, talk about your your normal life, talk about what's happening. You know, you know, Monday Tuesday rolls around. Hey, what'd you do on the weekend? You know, it's 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 just really fun. I've met a lot of people. You, you meet them through the internet, and then you know. There's a there's times where you meet them then in real life, and uh, it's 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 been great. And I don't know what the future holds, but if it's anything like what it's been so far, then I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get better. So, uh, yeah, I've always seen you uh, watch your stream. You're always in the Mazda MX-5, and but recently uh, I've seen you on the track in the NIS races. Uh, you have the same I rating that I do, right around three thousand, a little less. 
And uh, we've been on the track, uh, nose to tail. Usually I'm in front of you, though. <laughs> um, but it's been fun to go watch your stream afterwards and see my car and see how it's handling and see if it looks loose or tight. And I'm just fascinated by that. And I used it for that. And I thought it was kind of cool. But uh, it was pretty neat seeing you out there in the NASCAR races, too. Yeah, recently I've been... Um... I mean, I've always dabbled in a little bit of oval. I'm, I mean, I'm mostly a road racer, but uh, for whatever reason, I I think just the more I've done oval, the more I started to learn oval, I started getting better at it, uh, get slightly competent in it, and I've gained way more respect for oval and just the discipline that it is. And I just decided that if, well, if I'm going to do oval, I need to do the NIS. And so um, I was doing the Thursday night, uh, open series, uh, for NIS. And, um, it started with Daytona and I got a victory there and, um, you know, we're not talking top split or anything, but <laughs> I, I mean, that's, I mean, I have it's still goals. a Daytona 500, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have goals to, you know, try to raise my I rating and try to do really well for these big NIS races. I got a, a live spotter checkers or wreckers helping me out for those, those big races, which makes it a lot of fun for me and the viewer to have like a live spotter. Um, that's a lot of fun to hear our banter and, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I very much enjoy the oval side of iRacing. It's, uh, probably the majority of iRacing is oval, but, um, yeah, I just thought I'd kind of spread my, uh, spread my reach around a little bit more and, um, just do some more oval. I, I, the more I do oval, the better I get at it and the more I like it. So yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Well, we've been we've had some good races, and I don't think we've run into each other yet. But um, it's been fun. Um, tell us more about uh, you were involved with that Mazda thing where they brought you out to the track and they invited you to to represent them in some way. Uh, we covered that story a little bit on the podcast. Tell us more about what kind of opportunity was that, and what other traveling were have you been able to do? Yeah, so Mazda reached out, and uh, they were doing the Road Atlanta uh, race, the uh, 10 hours of Road Atlanta, and they reached out and said, uh, we think that you would be a great fit to help us promote uh, Mazda, and at the time, iRacing was doing the Mazda Hot Lap Challenge, and I qualified in the Mazda for like the final race and whoever won that race on iRacing was going to be sent to uh, the Daytona 24 hour race to compete on the simulator to try to win it all. And Logan Clampett ended up winning the whole thing, but I was involved in the, the iRacing race to determine who would go to Daytona 24. And they knew about that and they said, well, we, we like you. We, we see you doing a lot of Mazda. We think your your story's pretty good because my wife also does. She'll race every once in a while too, and you know she's just starting out, so she raced some Mazda. So they like that aspect of it. So they said, "Why don't you come to um, Road Atlanta, and you can hang out? There's some simulators there. We'll have you stream from the simulator, and you know do some vlogging, and we'll do a little Q and A. And Kevin Bobbitt from iRacing was there, and it was just a, a general." Uh, promotion of Mazda and the Mazda Hot Lap Challenge through iRacing because they're trying to combine iRacing and real life racing and uh, to promote their little competition that they had going on there. So yeah, they sent us to Road Atlanta. 
I had been there before um, years ago to do a, um, a Skip Barber racing school thing. So I, I, I was there. I was there when there was no one there for the the Skip Barber thing, and then I show up for a ten hour Road Atlanta race, and the place is completely mobbed with people, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and we, yeah, we did some promotion on Thursday, Friday, and then they gave us full access to the race. So we watched the full ten hours of the race uh, that Saturday, and um, yeah, it was amazing. We did some live streaming there and met up with some people, and um, yeah, it was a great opportunity. It was it was really fun. That was like my first ever actual road race I had ever attended. <laughs> And I don't know if anyone out there has been to a road race, but I mean, you just have free access. You just walk around anywhere like, hey, you want to go watch the race for a little while from turn three? Just head on over, pick a spot and sit there and, you know, let's go head over to turn 10 and watch them from there. It's pretty much free reign. It's not like you have a seat and you sit there, you know, right. so that, that was a lot of fun. Did you have to haul all your gear and your computer and all that? No, they provided, they had the simulator there, they had a computer there, so I just kind of went there a little bit early, set up all the software and stuff, and uh, yeah, just streamed right from their uh, computer system, so that, that worked out pretty well. All right, good. Well, you know, it's cool that, you know, iRacing's taken off, and, you know, people, you know, they need people to get involved in stuff like this, and why not you, you know? That's kind of cool. Yeah, why not me? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere they want now. <laughs> no, it, it is actually cool because how it started was Mazda reached out to iRacing and iRacing referred me to Mazda. So big, right. big props to iRacing to, to, to choose me and my wife to go. So that right. was really nice. Well, it all comes back to streaming on Twitch. Sure. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of streamers out there and nowadays everybody's doing it ask my buddy david hall here um he streams a lot but how do you get you know for these streamers what is your advice is how do you stand out from the crowd you know how does i how do you make yourself known to iRacing so when they have an opportunity they say oh we're going to call david hall because he's our streamer yeah uh, advice to new streamers um and to be honest it was kind of easy when I first started because there wasn't as much competition and believe you me when when I started four years ago or so streaming I thought I was late to the game I mean there were there was people streaming at the time and you know I thought they had pretty good viewership and I'm like oh if I start streaming now and no one's going to recognize me so I so I I thought I missed the boat years ago but um you know I still think we're still in the infancy of it as far as I racing and streaming um, advice for new streamers, you got to have a really good microphone, you have to have a decent camera, you have to have a very consistent schedule, and you have to post that schedule somewhere. People need to know when you're on, you know, just like TV, you know, at a certain, your favorite show comes on at a certain time every week or whatever. People need to know when you're on. Um, and just have fun with it. Uh, and you need to interact with the chat. Uh, I see a lot of stream streams. Where, you know, even if there's only four or five people watching, maybe two of those people are actually chatting and they're not even reading that chat. And it's like, well, I mean, a, a big portion of people that watch Twitch streams, they want to interact with the streamer. So I, I take that uh, as one of the top priorities is I, I need to be reading chat. I need to be interacting with people. I need to, um, you know, be invested in them and their life and their issues and their and and. 
um, you know, and become friends with people. Um, so yeah, a consistent schedule is definitely uh, one of the things and interaction with chat and um, I stick with it, you know, I mean, I would never I never went into it uh, thinking that, oh my gosh, I can make money doing this or I can have a big viewership or, you know, this is going to give me opportunities. I, I just went into it as saying I'm doing some racing and I'm going to stream it. And if people want to watch, great. If they don't, that's fine. And you know, maybe people will talk to me during the race and keep me uh, interested. And so, I, I mean, I use the chat to keep me uh, entertained is hopefully just as much as they find the stream to be entertaining for them. Um, right. So that's a big part of it. Hold on a sec here, Mike. Uh, we got a question here. JW Rock 83 asked the question just because of what you're talking there, Matt. Um, People joke about you being a full-time streamer, um, <laughs> but you said you cannot do it. Do you think um, that you could possibly, if your channel keeps growing in the future, uh, become just a full-time streamer? Hey, look, there's nothing more than I would want than to become a full-time streamer. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> people ask me, it, it is kind of become a joke. Um, and no, I, um, it, if certain things happen, to where that would become a possibility, I would definitely want to. As of right now, uh, it just isn't, wouldn't work out. I mean, I mean, listen, I, you know, it's, uh, I, I got a wife and we're, we're going to be having kids in the next year or so or two years. And uh, the job that I have right now, it's a union gig and it only runs for like nine months out of the year. Uh, it's just very, it's very lucrative right now. And I just, right as of right now i can't give that up <laughs> but right. um yeah I, I would love to though trust me <laughs> oh yeah uh okay and then i think my teammate mark he had a question for you was how do you keep that chat going that connectivity while you're racing without wrecking uh he was like it's amazing that you're able to talk and respond and whatnot while you're in the middle of a race well, I'll tell you what, it, uh, road racing is much more easier to keep up with chat and interact with chat than it is oval. When I'm doing NIS oval, I almost never look at the chat because it's so demanding. Uh, but road racing, the more you do it, the more you realize once you come out of a corner and there's a little straightaway, you got time to look up at chat and interact. And, you know, maybe I'll read something on a straightaway, you know, think about what I'm going to say. And then after the next turn, respond to it, you know, and you just got to keep it flowing. Um, but believe it or not, road racing, depending on the track, depending on the track and depending on how fast of a car you're racing, it's, it's easier than you think. Um, you know, and, you know, some of these tracks, you know, I've been racing for, you know, six years. So, uh, you know, and, and yes, would I be faster and, and more consistent and get better results if I never read chat? Well, yeah, maybe, probably. But um, I think reading the chat and interacting with people kind of makes it so you're more loose and, and you're not thinking so hard about each corner as well. So, um, yeah, and it's just a practice thing. And just like racing, the more you race, the better you're going to get at it. And the more you, you try a new skill, the better you're going to get at it. So, I mean, I still wreck reading chat. It happens every once in a while. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, the more you do it, the better you get. I'm always a little concerned about – I run in VR and I already have a sim racing app 
floating and a relative thing flowing. And I just don't know where I can put it, where I could actually see it without looking too far away. Because in the VR, the, the car is a little bit more actually on top of you. Um, I did hear another streamer mention that he has an app that actually reads the chat to him. So I've, I've been considering that as an option too, because I want to interact. I do a lot of, I'm the road, a road course race guy too. Mm -hmm. And there's some places where you can do it if you're in the right car. Um, like in say Le Mans when you're on those long stretches, definitely. Right. Yeah. And VR, I, um, have not, uh, streamed ever with VR. So I, I can imagine that'd be very difficult, but yeah, I've definitely seen VR streamers with the, the little bot or whatever that reads out the chat. So that definitely helps. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, tell us where uh, people can find you on social media. How do they watch your channel? How do they get involved in this uh, community that you've built? Yeah, so the main platform is uh, twitch.tv slash Matt Malone. And then all my social media stuff is Matt Malone TV. So YouTube, Twitter, Instagram is just Matt Malone TV. And uh, yeah, check it out. Also go to... Um, uh, griptvteam.com griptv team is a a twitch what do they call it a twitch team you can kind of team up on twitch and we got some uh, really good uh, dedicated streamers on grip tv it's kind of like a, a tv network where uh, we got x amount of uh, streamers and if you just go to the team page you can see everybody on there and whoever's live will pop up and yeah we've uh, kind of built up a little uh streamer network there so definitely check that out too absolutely and uh well you'll always be uh showdown 1983 to me though <laughs> oh gosh i killed him long ago didn't you know <laughs> no. well, but that's uh what i remember that's uh yeah, i watched yeah, you I for years on that one but sure, sure. all right well thank you for coming we're gonna get into topics but first uh greg tell us about uh sim racing authority all right, so this is where uh, Mike uh, leaves us misfits to uh, do all this so he can uh, rest his voice. Uh, so our sponsor, uh, Sim Racing Authority, has their Sunday night uh, Xfinity series. Uh, this week they held uh, 140 laps at Phoenix International Raceway. And the iRacers Lounge, seventh race uh, there. A dominating performance by Jake Nichols saw him take the pole and a victory with 128 laps led. Uh, Nate Tretto uh, edged uh, out Jake Nichols on stage win on lap 40 and brought his car home P2, only two tenths behind Jake. Uh, in a race that saw a handful of large crashes, Brett uh, Punker, Punkery, sorry if I butchered your name, Brett, sorry, uh, was able to drive his way to uh, a season high fourth place finish. Freddie De La Rosa finished third, and Eric Sobel uh, rounded out the top five. Next week, we head to Kentucky with the regular season getting ready to wind down and the points race uh, to make the chase extremely tight. So it sounds like uh, they're getting closer to going after Jake now that they're uh, not as big a gap. Well, I mean, he's winning everything over there, and uh, he is a peak driver. I mean, have you guys ever been in a, a league with a peak driver and they always win? And it can be very d difficult and uh, sometimes demoralizing. <laughs> I got laughed at Richmond by, by not Conti, uh, Logan Clampett. That's about, that's the only experience I've had there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into the topics. David, damage model update. 
Okay, quite a few little updates on here. They're looking to release the damage model in the same way that they're doing the tire model now. They're gonna, they've kind of reconfigured it so that they can do it one car at a time, because every car has to be hand worked. And uh, they're working on Skippy. They got a couple of videos ready. They're also getting a little closer on the stock cars, and they're hoping to release the majority of them some at, at some point along the time this year all right yeah, it says here they uh the physics are still being worked on for example sometimes when a car crashes a wheel comes off and it spins around like a top i don't see the issue but i find that rather entertaining if it does it every time that would be weird i'm all just right. glad uh, that it's they've got some info on it a little bit you know keep us informed is you know the best thing for them to do here yeah, that's going to be a work in progress. I mean, I, I, they can take as long as they want with something like that, and I'll be fine with it because that's going to be a huge game changer if our computers will be able to handle it. <laughs> right. Another le little detail, multi-class racing. Matt, I think you do you, Do you do some of the multi-class racing? Yeah. Um, if, say, the Ferrari comes out with the, the damage model update, but there's a car in the Le Mans series that's not quite ready yet, it will automatically default back to the old damage model until the entire series of car suite of cars in that series is done. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd imagine so, they'd start with single car classes first, like Mazda and Skippy and stuff, and then move on. Right. Yeah, because I could see like if they all of a sudden did do uh, something like that, if the Ferrari did get it, maybe they just have their own Ferrari class just so people could test it out by itself. Well, they, I bet they do the Porsche first in the, in that arena. All right, Greg, uh, introducing the AI Cup Series. So I was reading into this. This sounds kind of interesting. I would it's kind of just basically it seems like reading or watching NASCAR. But um, Zach R. Johnson had uh, posted he's in the iRacing Cup Series AI. Sorry, AI Cup Series. Um, so he's in, he's going to start a league. Um, that only AI cars can be entered in and to to do the event. <laughs> and um, it's going to go week by week. They're going to do super speedways, short tracks, road courses, and it's all the Gen 6 car. Um, it sounds like a pretty cool idea. So basically, you're just going to watch your AI car go around and around, and not, there's nobody controlling any of it. So, you know, you can reserve your spot under uh, uh, introducing the iRacing... AI Cup Series. Can you crew chief for the AI? Good idea. That's it. That'll be interesting. And I know that uh, we had put here, should the iRacers Lounge have an AI? Could this, lead, could this lead into fantasy fantasy sports, like fantasy oh, racing oh, oh, <laughs> or that, betting? Ooh, that's good. That's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it'll have the functionality to do what this guy wants to do. But maybe this puts the thought in the head that, you know, it's something that, you know, iRacing can look into. If it isn't possible yet, it could be. If, yeah, and if anything, it's going to be good testing for AI. Where everyone's going to be able to watch it and see if the AI is working as it should. Right. You know, kind of like a guinea pig series. I could just see them all going, going to green and going down the backstretch of Daytona and just having like a 43-car field pile up. Or, or it could just be single file the entire time. And, you know, if they're not... If they're not programmed to like pass aggressively or anything, who knows? We have that. It's called NASCAR. <laughs> it's kind of cool. All right, uh, Chris, spotter packs. 
Yeah, and we have a forum post by uh, David Tucker. So he's making some changes to the spotter packs, or, or making some changes to the um, spotter that's probably going to mess up the spotter packs. It doesn't sound um, like we're getting really any improvements. It sounds like this is more uh, of him making some changes to make it easier to translate the spotter into other languages. So I don't know that there's really a whole lot we can do here. It's just something to be aware of. I'm guessing I don't think there's that many people that use iRacing Spotter. So this is probably uh, more for the uh, you know the guys that make the Jimmy Johnson Potter yep. Spotter Pack and Crew Chief. Like uh, they're gonna have to make some changes. It looks like. Yeah, this is their big warning uh, because all those third-party Spotter Packs are gonna break because they're changing them. Yeah, that'll be. It'll be interesting to see how quick uh, those other ones get changed around then to fix it, you know, have a patch for it. I bet it's pretty quick. It doesn't sound like the changes are huge. I mean, it just seems like most of the most of the guys that support the, you know, iRacing through these third-party apps do a really good job of, of getting that stuff updated really quick. So um, Dave Hoffman, the last guy who posted, is actually the guy who does the Jimmy Johnson spotter pack. So he's aware of it. Um, he did say uh, there are some new things in there, like, for example, go green and go green restart. And so that means he can program a different start to the race versus a restart to the race. So so they are increasing functionality as well. All right, uh, Tony, iRacing on NBC. Yeah, Logan Clampett posted on Twitter uh, last week. He got a shout-out from uh, Parker Kligerman on uh, NASCAR America. Um, they did a kind of like a professional style ESPN uh, race review of the peak race at Richmond there with the mostly showing uh, Clampett and his teammate and then uh, Michael Conti and uh, getting a lot of love from uh, NBC with the peak series. Yeah, I was impressed. Uh, AJ Allmendinger uh, and those guys were talking about it. They were really focused on the drivers associated with NBC more so than the race itself. Yeah, it says they're looking at doing this weekly, so hopefully they'll expand that. AJ, I think, has been running the sports cars a lot lately. I've been seeing an AJ Almanigar too on the track. All right. Uh, Mason, uh, tell us about uh, who we got listening. Yeah, this is further down on that same uh, forum post, but it looks like we have Mr. Tony Gardner listening to our podcast. Um, he said, thanks, I enjoyed it, to a post by uh, us that John Hammer shared. Um, it was our Ray Alfala interview. He linked that in, and uh, Tony Gardner said, thanks, he enjoyed it. So looks like we have the ear of at least someone up there. That's cool. I don't think I've ever heard uh, an actual written confirmation that we had Irising staff actually listen to our show. And so that's kind of neat. Uh, they, they're certainly welcome. Uh, and we like to stay independent from them too. You know, we we're a fan show or a a, a driver show, um, and we're really you know not part of iRacing. So, uh, David, uh, tell us about the iRacers Lounge. Um, warning, parental advisory. Okay, uh, there's a post that somebody took apparently at Kentucky Speedway. There's a, a gentleman's club near the track that's called a Racers. And somebody has taken a picture of a, a female-looking driver with the iRacing outfit on, put it on a on a billboard, and and then it says, Psst, I'm at iRacers. 
to race racers. <laughs> well, this is supposedly oh, at the Kentucky Speedway track. Yeah, like it's not like somebody made it. This is like on oh, Irish. this is actually the uh, the board. That's not a graphic. Yeah, if you go there, you'll see the big billboard for racers. Well, yeah, but they replaced it, so they, they edited made it, it. Yeah, family friendly. All right. Uh, what do you? I mean, do, what do you guys think about them making it family friendly? Do they really? I mean, we want it realistic, right? Supposed to be a simulation. What the heck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Simulated I was strip cup. Say, I just feel like if I really speak up, I'm gonna get in trouble. So am I. I had a comment. I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it. Well, couldn't they do the actual sign and then just give some blur to it? They don't have to change it, right? Right. I can see the but, VR guys really going bad with this one. <laughs> but the, cha the change is pretty legit because that's a proper driver's suit. I mean, would it be that everyone slows way down in that particular part of the track? Get a good look at it. <laughs> How many people are going to jump on Kentucky now and uh, just surf <laughs> yeah. around on the camera? Yeah, go find it. Well, you can go on Google Earth and find this billboard too, apparently, somebody said. <laughs> control F twelve for iRacing so you can get a get a good look there. And then if you put if you hit control Z it'll let you uh, move around. All right, pretty cool. Mason, World of Outlaw. Yep, the uh, World of Outlaws uh, NOS Energy Sprint Car Series had a race on Monday night. It was uh, at Eldora, and it had um, intensely close racing through the, the heats with a .000 second margin of victory. Um, but Bergeron uh, scored, Alex Bergeron scored his third win uh, in four starts to kick off this season. And it uh, looks like he's, he's a Canadian, so that might be why. <laughs> uh, but he, he's helping. Thank he's, you. <laughs> he's beating these uh, Casey Kane drivers, which he's beating. He's the guy beating everybody. He's got a. He's like pretty much undefeated, isn't he? When he's in those cars, almost. I mean, the the end was good, guys. The, the end of the race where they're racing for the lead, it was good, good, good racing. I mean, it was tight too. Well, it's just so interesting because you have the Casey Kane drivers who are affiliated with the Real Race team and the Kevin Swindell drivers that are also affiliated with the Real Race team, and he's beating them. Yeah, if you're a real dirt team and you don't hire this kid right now, you're missing the boat. You really are. Can I say one thing, too, with the, the pictures that get posted on here, man? They, they, they look really well done, just the way that they come across with the way the dirt and everything looks. It looks yeah, real. Yeah, there's a six-minute video, too, um, from the race that's the, the A main. So you can watch the, the little six-minute blurb there and get your racing. Yeah, the last lap shootout was really good, guys. Check out. Uh, it was close, and it was a good race. All right, Tony, uh, Pro Trucks. Yeah, apparently Tony Gardner chimed in in uh, the forum post of uh, the short course off-road coming in June thread. Um iRacing will be bundling the Pro 2 and 4 trucks together when they become available. That's pretty cool. So you get two for one. Nice. I noticed they added, uh, they, they uh, it's a possibility maybe of adding the buggies as well to to this, uh, this type of racing. Yeah, to fill out the roster. What I was always wondering with, you know, these things, uh, these Pro 2, 4, and, and if they had the buggies, could you imagine if they set up a series where, you know, you had 
a heat within the pro two and then you had a heat within the pro four and then you went to the pro buggy you know you if you had all three of them you owned and it could be a whole racing event um to where try and race all, yeah where you just you'd be like a, a two-hour sp- uh, time frame or something and you could just race these different events to try and uh have it because i because those are going to go by pretty quickly those races like the uh um the rally cars right right what license level do we think Gotta be A. Yeah, yeah. I guess with maybe with the pro title, yeah, you probably would have an A. Because right but, now we've only gone up to C, so. But they could probably do, I would say maybe the pro trucks would be like a, a B, and then when they got the buggies, maybe an A. Well, the buggy is is lower than the truck, isn't it? I don't know. I think they're faster, though, oh. if I remember correctly, but I'm not sure. I'm not a huge follower of that here in canada we don't get to watch a lot of different events like that unless you stream it yeah one of them has four-wheel drive so that's taken into account too Uh, that's the difference between the pro 2 and the pro 4 it's part of it and those trucks are tall so rolling over can actually be a concern when you're setting up your suspensions i want to see the damage model on those things when they come out too eventually (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because they'd be coming out with these new vehicles, but yet are they going to have the new damage model with them? I mean, they're going to build build it on the old damage model and then eventually have to upgrade it again. That seems silly like extra work. Yeah. And the way you're saying that, it also becomes a thing over time where as they're building these cars, it might take them longer to get them done to right. make sure these physics are right, right? True. Yep. All right, uh, Tony Gross, track walk. Yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen this. This is a, um, a full VR track walk around the Norschleife, Norschleife, Norschleffa. I don't know how to pronounce it. You guys pick your uh, <laughs> pick one you like. We'll go from there. Um, so this guy, uh. From what I can see, I can only see it from a, from a just desktop with monitors. I don't have VR, um, but basically showing you every corner, every turn um, with the uh, with the desktop version here. You can you know click and drag and get a full view. So I imagine this uh, in VR would look really really good. Um, but giving you the whole layout, he. Uh, he spent something like 80 hours. I think he said he has 80 hours in to, to make this whole track, and it looks like he's planning on doing um, many more tracks just like this. Um, you know, very cool if you want to have a you know have a good look at at your turns and maybe pick some things out. Um, he's got a got a website here that you can find this at, and it's irtrackwalk.com/nurburing. 24h i imagine you go to irtrackwalk.com and you'll be able to you'll be able to find the links from there so Um, this isn't the real track this is the virtual track that he did he made this yeah sorry virtual track from iRacing right um yeah a full full walkthrough um and going through like the it's just it's it's amazing even if you just have a monitor it is really easy and and uh very friendly you can see everything um 
It really gives you a shot of the detail. You know, when you look down at the pavement, or if you want to look at the grass and just over in the corner, everything is so detailed. It's fun to yeah. look at all the graffiti too, you know? Right. Uh, David, did you happen to check this out at all? I know you got VR. I think I, you're. I, I see. Uh, I haven't looked at it. No, I see Greg showing it on the stream just a little bit. It looks pretty neat. To be honest, when I first clicked it and I didn't read the title there with uh, when Tony was reading it, I honestly thought it was the track. I didn't think it was iRacing's version. Of <laughs> That's how real it looked. I thought it was like Google Earth. I thought you were on That's Google what Earth I was for a thinking. second. Yeah, it reminds me of GeoGuessr. You ever play that game? It's like. Oh. Geo, you guess where you're. They put you in a random spot in the world on oh. Google Streets, and you guess where you're at. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I mean, it looks very real. I mean, it's you really have to look to tell that it's high racing. All right, uh, Mason Richmond Raceway in Sim Seats. Yep, we had uh, Richmond Raceway Esports. Uh, they brought down uh, three other, two other drivers, and one other driver. Um, to Richmond Raceway for the the NASCAR race this past week, um, and Sim Seats uh, also installed a uh, rig there that they were shaking down. So it was Zach Novak, who is not a Richmond Esports driver; he's a Roush Fenway driver in the Peak Series. But uh, Malik Ray and Jimmy Mullis are the uh, two East Richmond Raceway drivers they brought down. It looks like they uh, they got some uh, mouse pads from Sim Seat out of that, so that's pretty cool. Uh, then we had them getting their own track walk of Richmond, the real Richmond, uh, when it was raining out there. Um, then we had them had pictures of them shaking down the new Richmond uh, Raceway Sim Seats rig. Uh, looks like it has direct drive there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, big old MPI rim. Um, it looks like it has thrust Thrustmaster pedals, maybe. What amazes me is how young these three peak drivers are. Man, these guys are just kids, man. And they're they're wheelmen, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they, it looks like they have a, a Top Gear-style uh, board of lap times up there. And it looks like Zach Novak was the fastest so far at a 19.683 when uh, Jimmy Mulls was second before Malik Ray went out there. Um, so we'll see if he can beat the time, and it looks like he did not. He had 19.7. So Zach Novak was the fastest in the Simpsons rig around Richmond Raceway. Um, then it shows a little short video of them uh, giving Novak some crap, some backseat drivers there. Typical uh, boys playing on a, playing a video game or a game and some a girl in the background and not paying attention to her. <laughs> But that they, nice, that nice curved monitor too. Those are those are oh nice, yeah. aren't they? Big too. I wish they had those around before I got triples. I probably would have went for those. Those curved monitors are starting to. They're really popping up now. Yeah. Well, look, oh, yeah. look at the rig though that they did on the last uh, link. Yeah, and then there's the. Uh, they've had this out before. I think I just pulled it out of the garage though. It's the Sim Seats built Velocity Micro powered Sim Car. That's actually a Toyota race car um, painted like uh, the old Richmond Raceway Esports car in the Peak Series was um, that I believe Jimmy Mullis uh, drove and he's got the hood up showing the computers under the front with the sim seats uh, powered as well and uh, it looks a little dusty but they'll we'll get that wiped off I'm sure <laughs> so the computers are where the engine would be it says about it's pollen not uh, dust sorry <laughs> 
it says at the bottom here, sorry about all the pollen. All right, let's keep moving. A fix start time, Greg. So I, I, I was agreeing with this. Uh, I'm trying to find the original post here. Who is the, uh, is it Bob? Uh, Bob Bryant asked the question about the fix series, at least in general, having them start um, an hour on the hour instead of um, the way that we have them staggered right now. So if you had a B fixed start at 2 p.m. and then had a uh, an A fix start at say 3 p.m. and then this you know the trucks at 4 p.m. or whatever you can you can get more racing in uh, in the series that you want to to participate. I think it's more him coming up with an idea to try and you know drive participation and people being able to race more um, with it. And it sounds like uh, Tyler has uh, Tyler Hudson has uh, read it. And uh, he's going to do some digging in it and see what if they can change anything about it. So, no matter what you do, people will complain. But I mean, it is fun to jump from race to race, you know, without any downtime. Well, and I think the problem is right now. Like, um, I'm trying to think of what the times are. Is it like one it's starts a on the hour? Gap. Yeah. So, if you get in one race, you got to wait almost two or two hours to get into your next race. I think. Right. I think it's a good idea to try and maybe. If you could get two in in, in a three-hour span instead of you know one in a two-hour or three-hour span, I always get a little frustrated that the A Open and the IMSA start at basically the same time. But both of those races are so long now that being ready for the next one can be kind of kind of tricky. So I don't know if I'd want them to to adjust it or not because if I do do a IMSA, it finishes right about when the next A Open is about to start. I always love how you jump from one to the other. Go from road to oval. <laughs> well, road is road is so much more. It's the time you know exactly when it's going to end with a a long a open. Depending on cautions, I mean, it's that's a huge variety of time. <laughs> and they're like just the other they're, night. they're different <laughs> worlds, and you know, I mean, I'm I've got a higher rating. I'm I'm our road guy, I guess, or whatever. But I still got a higher rating in the oval. I I still do better there. Um, but there's 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 different intensities to both of them. There's there's slightly different skill sets, and I enjoy the variety that it brings to the sim um, instead of just being stuck in one mode all the time. So all the other guys, I guess you guys get that by going to trucks or or uh, B car. But I I focus on the A car, and then I jump in either the Ferrari or the Porsche prototype. I used to remember in the day when you're in the rook, like when I first started 10 years ago, when you were trying to get through the rookie license, I would go from rookie legends race to rookie legends race to rookie legends race. Like it just one after another, I probably did like 20 in a five or six hour span because of the way they're spread out. Yeah. And when, back when I first started, there was no fast track. You had to make it through a whole season before you could get promoted. All right. What's up with Long Beach, David? Uh, a 10-year veteran posted a question. Uh, there was a race at Long Beach recently, and he was asking if uh, iRacing has discussed uh, finishing the Long Beach track. And uh, Alexander Horn responded with a real simple, plain answer. It will remain as is. All right. Yeah, that's uh, – that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was confirmed. I talked to Kevin Bobbitt, too, the, when I was in Road Atlanta, and that was confirmed then as well. They're just – it just – it's just not going to happen. It will remain a tech track like forever. <laughs> it's the buildings are too much. Yeah, or... it's just too much surrounding the track. Yeah. Well, and Maybe. it's it's always you know the things with the street surface 
they're pretty much the surfaces are changing all the time and and the scenery changes all the time so one year to the next is a lot of different differences to it so if they scanned it how many years ago five years ago sure it's probably a lot different than it was five years ago i mean unless hardware makes a leap unforeseen in the next 10 years and they rescan it i don't see it happening i don't know it if it's in there some some tracks i would not care about the scenery if if that because it changes so much especially when it comes to street courses it's i mean i know you like the full immersion and i mean i run vr but uh the track is what really matters so this here saying this long beach thing this confirms that you'll never see monaco then either i don't know if it does or not now i heard during the real indy car race at long beach on the broadcast something about they were getting ready to maybe do some construction and redo the convention center and they would actually be removing streets and it could very well affect the track on a go forward basis and the track might not ever be in the same configuration that it was run in this this year the question would be would they would people want them to put tech tracks in official schedules think people would go for that well that's the question that they were arising because this would have been the week that they would right. have to run long beach in the new indycar one right yeah i mean i wonder if i i would imagine they wouldn't want to show that for like newer members like hey what the heck it's, this track's not done why is it on this why is it on the schedule but i, I just wonder how much you know pushback they'd get if they put it on a schedule can it be run in a league? Sure. Yeah, you can do hosted okay. there. Yep. That's All weird. Right. I don't think I've ever seen it as a hosted, though. Like, it's not common. Right. No. I don't think many people have it. No. All right, Chris. Time's a-wasting. Earlier this year, uh, iRacing added flash photography in the crowds, and um, iRacer Trevor Maynard um, put up kind of... No, you missed one. Uh, we're talking about the one where the moving people... Yeah, that's the one. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, but so uh, this started with, um, on that thread of announcing the flash photography, uh, iRacer Trevor Maynard um, wrote kind of a joke post. When are they going to simulate drunk fights in the stands about how Austin shouldn't get the number three and how Kyle's won more races than Petty? That would be <laughs> peak realism. I'd be willing to take the FPS hit. <laughs> and uh, Alexander Horn actually chimed in. And he said, I don't know about the fights, but we're working on people moving and walking around the stands close enough. Does that, mean, does that mean that someone's going to get up on the fence at Richmond when they're racing around? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. One of the things that you can do, especially if you're in VR, is when you're sitting either when you're sitting gridding, you can kind of look around or if it's on the scenic view, you can kind of look around and Sometimes it looks like the song could be Apocalypse because they'll be frozen in a pose with their hand pointing out or up in the air. And I always thought that looked pretty funny. Hold on, hold on. So I have to rant for a second. There is no part of my day where I've woken up and thought, you know what I wish was on iRacing? People moving. <laughs> well, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I don't. I have a lot of those bells and whistles turned off. And even if they were on, I probably wouldn't notice them because I'm so glued to what's going on in front of me. But um, I don't know what do you think, Matt. Though, when those little things like that, um, don't they add a little bit to the realism for people that are watching a stream or something like that? Though? Yeah, I mean, but at what cost? I mean, how much is it going to affect my 
frames. I mean, they talked about <laughs> the flash photography. I, I guess I've never seen it or I don't have the right graphic settings, but I've never seen the flash photography. We you saw know, it the I, other night for the first time at Richmond, I believe. I remember, yep. I think, David, you said something about it, didn't you? I saw it's it. the first time oh, I've yeah. noticed it. It hasn't been showing up at the road courses at night for me. Is it only night races on Oval then? We'll take a look at the next topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was part of this. <laughs> well, I was going to say, before we get to that, just imagine with those people getting up, moving and walking around, um, you know, think about uh, like us guys down here in the bottom splits um, after like the 17th or 20th caution, half the crowd gets up and leaves. Oh, <laughs> gets up and leaves or they start throwing yes. beer down at I'll, you. They're going to start hucking the throw cans on the track. On the track. Yeah. I want yeah, an animation. Oh, yeah. I want an animation. Tony Stewart water bottle out for a caution. Or the animation of the crew chief jumping in the car. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I love all the bells and whistles. Don't get me wrong, but it's like the computers just can't handle it. It seems like, you know, so what, do I love all that stuff? Yes. But at what cost, you know? Yeah. Well, and the problem is, is it's not just like it's it's one thing to program it as a game that you're by or a simulation by yourself. But you're rendering this with everything else going on as well that the computer has to keep up with mm -hmm. whatever the other people are doing. Well, and John Henry was saying there wasn't enough people to, to do all the things they wanted to do. So take the person doing this and put them on the tire model as far as testing it. There you go. Yeah. All right. So about those flashes, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you guys uh, got to see the flashes as long as you had it uh, turned on. Um, but they aren't not. They're, sorry. They're not at all the oval tracks yet. The tracks that um, that. You'll see the flashes out of the Charlotte uh, 2016 and 2018, uh, Daytona 2011 version, Auto Club, Richmond, Kansas, Volusia, Knoxville, Limeland, and Eldora. Um, they are obviously working on the rest of the tracks, but that's what you get for right now. Um, now, in order to see the flashes, you got to make sure your particles are turned on. Um, and now, frame rate they, killer well yeah. sure but so is everything particles. else yeah particles yeah. i had to turn those off yeah yeah so the way the way it kind of works is um they, they post it on the forums that you know there'll be a few flashes every lap but they pick up a lot at you know uh when the green flag drops a crash happens the last lap that's when you're going to see a lot of it so it's it's not happening all the time but i guess it kind of mirrors real life right now i spend a lot of time on pit road at richmond sitting in the car <laughs> doing repairs and uh every restart sure enough i would i would look up it would catch my attention because i'd hear the the cars you know engines go up and i would look up to my right and sure enough all the light bulbs going off in the stands it looked kind of cool now if also uh if you look through this thread um, and anybody wants to get a good lesson on how flash photography works, um, uh, a few of the guys there totally hijacked that post. And, uh, um, well, you can have a great education on how flash photography works. It's kind of interesting, actually. I was going to say, I've never used flash photography when I'm taking pictures with not the track. Cameras nowadays are a lot better than <laughs> what they were when they needed flash photography all the time. Is it really going to do anything if you're up on, like, row 70? Nope. It'll light the guy's head <laughs> nope. up. It's in front of you. 
All right, uh, next, Greg, retired driver race. So this is a quick one here. Uh, this week on PRN Fast Talk Podcast, Doug Rice, Alex per- or, uh, Alexis Perkins, and Jeff Hammond weighed in on a question uh, if we could have a retired driver's race at Darlington for the throwback weekend. So the drivers like Stewart, Earnhardt Jr., Edwards, Gordon, uh, they basically said no, but the idea perhaps would be better suited for a special race in iRacing. Uh, then, so what do you guys think of that? If they could show well, it up on the big screen? That would be cool. A few years ago, they were doing a retired driver's lessons type race at Bristol. Uh, and we got to watch them. And then there was a severe accident. And they actually had to airlift an elderly guy out. That uh, I don't think they had spotters. Because he came around full speed when a car was sideways and T-boned a guy. And um, that was the last time they've run any race like that. So this so would be re- nice. Retired bottom split? Yeah, so I like the idea. I think it's good, um, you know. Um, put it together, you know. If if Darlington, could we do it on Darlington weekend even, um, you know, and have it kind of like a throwback. Not a bad idea. Okay, David, talk about Porsche's Super Cup. All right, we had the season opener this weekend. And Jeff, was it Jeff? No, Joshua Rogers took the victory and is he now a thousand dollars richer? Um, he qualified first and finished the sprint race fifth and in fourth and then came up through the field. He started in fourth and came up through the field and to finish first. Um, apparently, the the thirty I didn't make it all the way through this race. The field was and uh, and the second race was quite a. It had quite a bit of attrition. I guess everybody was excited and really trying to make their mark, and we had a, they had a lot of spinning early. And I, I know how that feels, starting just about any IMSA race at Monza. Uh, but, but he finished the race and obviously takes the point lead. He's about 20 points ahead of Mitchell DeJong. And in third place is Sebastian Job. And the video that uh, Robin Rossenvinge put up on the forums, he did a remix uh video it was amazing i mean he did a great job uh definitely go check that out on the forums um also alex put together a remix video that was also great that really highlighted that uh pass for the lead and it's amazing watching these guys race because they are are so good and just to get that little run to the outside and they're trading off, you know, inside, outside. I mean, the racing was great. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, this series is going to be so much fun to watch. If you've ever driven this car, you just know how on edge it is. It feels like all the time. And for, for these guys to be close, racing this close at this highest speeds, I mean, it, it it's crazy drama, crazy good racing. It's going to be a lot of fun. It. It, I don't think people understand just how hard this car is to drive and to drive it as fast as they do is just they're on a whole nother level. It's insane. Back when I was driving the Audi, I really struggled with it. And I, f- I actually find the GTEs easier to drive than the GTC3s. Well, yeah, but this is the Porsche Cup car. I mean, it's in a class of its own. It's it's it does not. It's not forgiving whatsoever, but yeah, GT3 and GTE is so much easier to drive it, than these it's things. The, oh yeah, it's the GT3 class, though I believe. Right, but I mean, it's not the same as like your Ferrari and your your Audi GT3. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, 
It's this a is handful. a great series, yeah. All right, yeah, check it out. It was fun to watch, and those remix videos, yeah, I was like uh, really liking it. All right, and now for the final word, uh, Phil's pit stop. This is your scheduled pit stop. I'm Phil Linden. This weekend, I read a post on the forums about competition at the back of the pack in the Peak Series. Teams at the back fight for every spot, tooth and nail, to stay in that series or face the boot if they fall out of the top 20. At that level, you have skilled drivers, expert setups, a hunger to win, and the fear of being left out next season. All pushing to make every pass and every pit stop worth it more than the last. Close racing is built on talent from the driver, preparation from the team, and trust in the cars around you. These ingredients are what make for close racing at any level. And this is precisely why my outlook on iRacing's competition came into a new light once I joined a league. So leagues are run by fellow racers to enforce the rules and set expectations for the race, rather than leaving it to the protest system and the mercy of strangers. This forms a community of drivers around it. Over time, I've come to know how certain drivers will behave, like how aggressive they are or where I can expect their mistakes. And so I'm racing them not just as peers of similar skill, or sometimes not, but as individuals too. This makes it personal, but in a good way. I'm not the fastest. Being mid-pack gives me that hunger to be in the top 20, and the fear of being last adds to that pressure, the rush. I'm racing for points, and I'm racing for pride. A top 5 finish is so much more satisfying when you know who you beat. I think this is what makes for good racing, and it's not just in peak. That's it for Phil's Pit Stop. Back to Mike and the guys for hardware software. All right, thanks, Phil. I think it was Kyle Larson who said the competition is tougher in iRacing more so than real racing, and isn't that why we're all here anyway, is for the good racing? All right, uh, let's jump into hardware software. Who's first? Mason. Yeah, this um this one popped up on one of my Facebook streams, so I thought I'd put it up there. It's the Indiegogo Bit Furniture Elements. Um, they they are magnetic connected uh, kind of like cushions that you stack to make chairs and tables and such. Um, they sell them in little kits. Um, but they did show a picture of someone using it as a racing, um, cockpit. Uh, yeah, cockpit. They just put a piece of like metal over top of two of them. So that could be a, a workaround, uh, for, for those of you on non-direct drive wheels, I would hesitate to put a direct drive wheel on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Looks like it's just good for making forts. Yeah, look at the video, uh, <laughs> 1 minute 30 second mark, and you'll see it. It's got to be the most comfortable rig ever, though, like, <laughs> seriously. And you can turn it into a bet when you're done. <laughs> Don't All show right. my daughters this. All right, Greg, uh, <laughs> D-Box controller. So, Mike, I'm, I haven't, I'm trying to figure out what this one is here. I, I was, uh, I missed this one. I didn't see that my name was on this one. I'm seeing it so... I'm guessing from what I could read here. Um, sorry, links aren't opening up here. Um, it's uh, all right, go ahead. Uh, Mason. Go ahead and tell him I'm. I can't talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I missed this, this is, one. Sorry. This is the uh, uh, motion platform controller. Is what it looks like. Um, 
it's called the SFX 100, um, and uh, it's been developed and shared, rivaling the D box, um, and blows away some of the seat movers that at a fraction of the price is what the the selling point is for this one. Um, it looks like let's see where does it go here it's uh 200 millimeters per second vertical acceleration versus the d-box platform mover which is 100 millimeters per second um so that's where they're getting their getting the numbers at um it looks like a little actuator kind of kind of deal there um and yeah it's, it looks like it's a pretty cool deal it's it's a little over my head um he does use some 3d printing on it um to, to cut down cost, it seems. So it's an alternative to D-Box. And so D-Box is expensive, so... Um... It says you have to wire your servo driver controllers for them to mains power. There is no standard three-pin connector. So if you if that means something to you, uh, then, then good for you. <laughs> yeah, SFX100 is what it's called. All right, Tony Grove, simulator, no, simulation one systems. Yeah, this one's uh, up in our neck of the woods, Greg. These guys are out of Toronto, um, help supplying all of us Canadians with all our racing needs. Um, more specifically, they're offering this uh, oh, extremely badass shifter. Um, this is the best shifter you can buy. Oh, geez. Yeah, I think you could probably strap a stick of dynamite to this thing and it would just laugh at it. Um, it's called the <laughs> Quaif, Quaif H Pattern Shifters. Somehow I got all the topics today that has like ridiculous names. Um, anyways, this this is uh, a, an absolute beast. And I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, except it's extremely thick metal. Everything's metal on it. It belongs um, in a real race car is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um it uh what the heck do they call that? Like uh formed like the, the main piece is just all one solid piece and yeah, machined metal or Yeah, there you go. Um twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. That's 20, crazy. Now now this is twenty five hundred dollars Canadian, so um, that's probably like 30 bucks American a print. <laughs> pack of gum there's a video if you scroll down and you can see it in action uh, but it's pretty cool I mean I uh, I think Bino uh, it said uh, that this is the best shifter money can buy I'd believe it I was going to say yeah for good reason too I think this is one of the most expensive shifters we've seen if you click on the home page or go to products, uh, they do offer other stuff. Uh, so check that out. Well, I was just going to say, just so you guys know, for comparison, for the Canadian prices, you got uh, the Fanatec has a part on here, and uh, their direct drive wheels is like $1,600 Canadian for the DD1 and $2,500 for the DD2. Oh. All right, so they're reselling. Uh, they got all kinds of different uh, stuff. They have D-boxes as well. So uh, check them out if you're in Canada. Yeah, and that uh, the website simulation1.ca. Okay, Mason, what's next? Sequential shifter. Yeah, I got a, a good name to pronounce here. It looks like Iologs uh, is how I'm going to try that. A-I-O-L-O-G-S. 
with Iolog's project. It's a SIM sequential shifter, um, 165 US dollars. I'm taking pre-orders now until the 26th of April. And uh, the sequential shifter looks like uh, all metal. And uh, it's not quite as robust as the other one we looked at before, um, but it's still a solid piece of, of machine metal. Um, it bolts right onto an 8020 uh, rig, or you can get the clamp to clamp it to a desk. Um, it's got the uh, uh, plate for the T-slot profile, like I said there. Um, but yeah, it looks like a pretty solid shifter. I mean, they, they show a couple videos of it, how much movement it takes, or how much force it takes to move it. Um, and and yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a sequential shifter, ch check this one out. Iolog's project. Yeah, at the top, you can click on handbrake, uh, and they got a very similar product, but it's a handbrake. So it probably is more analog feeling then? Yep. Price is right, I think. It's a good, was it, 165 for the handbrake? The sequential sifter is the same price, so that's yeah. a pretty good price. That's competitive pricing. Yeah, considering the Thrustmaster one is like 130 or something, and that one's all metal. Right. Looks much better. Yeah. All right, David, semi-cube. We got pricing. Well, Raven Champ Champion was, or Raven Chapman, sorry, he's an iRacer that I see often on, in the IMSA. We run about the same split. Was asking a question on what separates the SC2 actually from the SC1, and he was asking if it's worth the $3,300 that Daily has posted, um, or $1,500, I guess, for the lowest torque version. And there's quite a few replies in here discussion. One interesting discussion is a, a fellow replied with a comparison and he considers, he kind of rated which ones he, sh he should consider entry and mid and high price point. And he was saying that he thinks the DD1 should compete with the SE2, the DD2 should compete with the Pro, and the SE2 Ultimate should compete with the Boogeyman. Um, I have the DD1 on the way and it's definitely not... It didn't cost me thirty three hundred. Right now, if you go to the next link, you'll see the pricing on the Semi Cube uh, Two. Uh, they have the Ultimate and the Pro and whatnot, and then the Sport. Now the Sport is uh, uh, a one thousand one hundred forty one, and then the Pro is one thousand three hundred thirty two, and then the Ultimate two thousand nine hundred seventy three. So I would consider the, the sport more of the entry and yep. that, that price is closer to the DD1. Right. The DD1 is comparable to the SimuCube 2 Sport. Right. And then the Pro is comparable to the DD2. And then that ult the Ultimate is just Ultimate. Ultimate is like, yeah, for the big boys. It looks like this uh, is going to ship in early May. And uh, so pre-orders pre-orders today all right let's keep moving um greg uh we heard back from a story from last week so we're back from the uh the swedish rigs that uh it was a swedish rig designs.com uh said hi i racing so i heard you mention uh mention uh the swedish rig designs on your last podcast uh which is great i love the word is being spread as uh, has been spreading um he started the Passionist project last year, but turned into a registered company on the 1st of January of this year. Um, so they're really basically fresh out of the gates. Uh, 
their supply of rigs for the first ever Swedish championship in sim race, uh, championship in sim, sim racing late January last, uh, last year. Uh, his rigs are, he considers them like an Ikea inspired manual so they can assemble like Ikea. Um, you assemble an SRD rig. No one, uh, no one follows the manual has been, has ever gotten it wrong. Um, so that he's just basically giving us a shout out back, uh, about, uh, us talking about it. So it's nice to hear that, uh, he's listening to the podcast. So thank you. And, uh, so if you want to go again, that's the website's uh, Swedish, uh, Swedish rig designs.com. Yeah, I did put a link up there. I had mentioned that they didn't have a integrated monitor stand, but he corrected me and has a link up there for the SRD pro try. Um, with the integrated monitor stand so take a look at that he's currently the only supplier or currently he is only shipping within the european union but looking into options to get the u.s so i love that he mentioned that they have proper instruction manuals after hearing mason's frustration with his rig assembly <laughs> okay and then uh chris uh next a reminder about how triples should work yeah, just a small novel about uh, how uh, how triples should work, but I think this stuff's important. So um, uh, get right down to it. He said this was actually a, kind of a support post um, that David Tucker was trying to help an iRacer figure out some freezing issues he was having. Um, but he uh, went to talk a little bit about SMP and SPS. And what he said is it really all comes down to how you set your monitors up. If you line them up in a row, not angled in, then you don't really need to do anything. Just treat it like one massive ultra-wide monitor that just happens to have bezels in it. That will use the least amount of CPU and give you the, a distortion-free image. However, your potential max FOV, FOV is, will be limited. This is just fine if you don't have the computer power to handle the rest. Okay, I'm going to stop you. So what Matt was talking about with the big widescreen one monitor... That's kind of what he's referring to is you could take your triples and treat them as one monitor and set your options up that way. And that would be the least taxing on your computer. So if you had a real crappy computer, that would be the way to do it. Yep. And he said if uh, you want to get more out of your monitors, you turn on the render separately to each monitor stuff and angle the monitors in. You can use our calculator to work out the geometry, or you can, or the one I wrote for Ed Racing. The goal here is to get a 180-degree FOV with the side monitors angled in at 60 degrees, and the whole thing being a touch closer to your face than the width of the center monitor. Okay, so wait. Trick yep. Now, I just want to point out what the goal is. 180-degree FOV is the goal when you have triples. Uh, the goal is to have a 60-degree angle between the monitors. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, he said this is tricky to get with 24-inch or smaller monitors, but it could be done with careful layout. As you notice with this, as you as you notice, this renders the world three separate times, and that in turn slows everything down quite a bit. All right, so this is how I have mine set up, and this is how Mason has his set up. And this is what you do when you have a good computer with triples. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, see, so you can see the difference. Like, yeah, with the first one, it's just really just rendering one screen. And with the second option, it's rendering three separate screens. And also, something to keep in mind, too, kind of goes along with this, is the same. 
there's a, an option in iRacing for uh, mirrors and how many mirrors you want to use. It's um, important to keep in mind that there's no such thing as mirrors in a game or simulator. So when you're, those are also going to be instances of another monitor. So if you're having performance problems, maybe it's not that. Maybe if you have five mirrors turned on, you're adding extra monitors, basically. But the, he goes on to explain um, some of the new features they've added, uh, SMP and SPS. The SMP, simultaneous multi-projection, is a compromise between the two options above. It lets us render as we are sending once into a single large monitor, but uses depth information to warp the image into something resembling the second option. It takes a relatively recent card and driver to make it work, and even then it's not perfect. Okay, so that's for people who have triples or are struggling with making it work good, and you don't have the horsepower. And so you try SMP, and that will compromise between the first item we talked about and the second one. Yep, and uh, SPS, uh, single pass stereo, is for VR. Only. Yep, yep, and follow, it's pretty much the same thing as SMP, it's just SPS is the, the VR version of that. And it follows the same idea as SMP, but lets you warp one image into two images needed for stereo rendering. I believe uh, he does go to say that he uh, this guy had a 1070 card. He said he thought that was too old and that he needed a 1080 or greater. Greater. I don't believe that's true. I think you can do SPS with any 10 series card. I know I have it enabled on mine, and I have a, a 6 gig 1060, and it, it made a huge difference in the the workload on my computer. It it helped mine quite a bit on my 1080 as well. Yeah, and that's what he goes on to say. If it was S SMP and SPS, it says both options should let you reduce the workload on your GPU and CPU, and in particular, they should raise the minimum frame rate. This is the average frame rate. Yeah, I'm sorry. That is the average frame rate may not go up, but the worst parts on the track where it all seems to bog down tends to get better. Yeah, and like I said, it, it made a, a big, big difference on mine. I went from having um, just about all the bells and whistles turned off to run uh, VR with a 1060, and with uh, SPS turned on, uh, I can turn most of those bells and whistles on and have a solid 90 FPS. Remember, with the SMP, when you're running triples, if you have SMP on, you can't have particles on. So it's... It just, is a compromise, yeah. Yeah, i just throwing that out there. Yep. Yeah, and um, one thing that I did is instead of having it set up uh, through the NVIDIA graphics option, I did it um, through the app INI, which did uh, cut some of the top and bottom off the screen, but I like how it looks better that way. So I'm not using the NVIDIA surround. I have it set up as triples through the app INI. What it allowed me to do is to to use the overscan feature with Oculus and and overscan and I basically don't have a screen door effect anymore with the overscan and and really it helps quite a bit. Okay, let's get into results. Uh, Richmond NIS Thursday fixed. I got P twenty one. Caught up in other people's crap. Eight minutes damage. Friday open. Tony Rochette. Yeah, P31, uh, just like my Thursday open last week, I ended up finding a, a hidden sideways car and smashed right into him and ended up blowing up and, uh, after running the top 10. Ouch. All right, Mason, P3. Yeah, it was a hard race, but I uh, came away with a P3. That was the race that me, you, and David were in. 
that had 20 cautions for 101 laps. Whoa. Yeah, I got it, back in the pack there, but made my way back up. I think I streamed for two hours and ten minutes, if I remember correctly, for that race. Yeah, it was quite a bit of time. I managed to eke out a P7. Uh, it's not my best track. I just basically concentrated on surviving. Yeah, and I got a P12, but uh, I was up front up there with Mason, but I had my own doings that uh, made me fall back. Okay, Saturday, uh, Tony. Yeah, P10. Uh, spent most of the race in the top 10 on a last re uh, restart there. I, I had fresh tires behind me and older tires in front of me. Um, got three wide just before the start-finish line. Unfortunately, I was on the outside, and I bounced off the wall. To tell the top 10? Yep. All right, let's uh, talk Sunday Open. Well, oh, 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 I did a Thursday race. All right, well, tell us. Oh, sorry. Uh, Thursday, NIS, it was probably like second split. It was 2,300 strength of field. I ended up getting fifth with the number five car. Out of nice. the 200 laps, there was 87 of them under caution. <laughs> wow. 18 cautions, yeah. What a shit show. Plenty of time <laughs> to concentrate on the chat there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, <laughs> I, and I had uh, only uh, eight incidents, but I still gained 1.13 safety rating. <laughs> so you were, yeah. at your, uh, you were at the thing and went over an extra yeah. limit there? Yeah, I got a question mark, yeah. So. All right. All right, Saturday. Or no, Sunday open. Tony. Yeah, I got a P flippy flipping third. Third? I ran. I ran top five all race, even led some green flag raps, uh, laps, laps. Um, I had a hell of a fun race, especially with the two top cars. Um, that was probably one of my best races I've ever had. Wow. And was it a shit show? Not really. I think there was probably like 12 or 13 cautions. Um, uh, like 20? <laughs> nope, but that was a redemption race. All right. Uh, Basin. Oh, this one. This one was for fun since I had the third place already, but qualified first, a whole tenth faster than the field, which was awesome. But uh, the track temp just jacked right up about 10 degrees at the start of the race, and uh, the set did not like it. So self-spun from fourth and got hit, blown the engine, race over. Ooh. Hi, mm. David, P9. I was, ca I was caught up. Was the sales spin where I got caught up as well, Mason? Or that was a diff that was a different incident, wasn't it? Wow, you hit a lot of things. Yeah, I got caught <laughs> up in a I got caught up in a bunch of different incidents. Uh, you know, just people wrecking in front and not being able to dodge it. Uh, spent the first half of the race fixing the damage and climbed back up to about P seven. A late caution once again. Picked the wrong tire strategy and lost two more spots. Finished ninth. All right, and then Sunday night I ran. I got a. Uh blown engine after only having one minute of optional damage in a wreck that I couldn't miss. And uh, Mason, you were in that race. Uh, you survived a little longer than I did. Yeah. Uh, just It was rough by the end of the week. People were just sending in at that point, I think. It was ugly out there. I mean, let's talk about that. Why was it so ugly this week out at Richmond? Problem was, is that car... I don't know if it's the setups that you can make, but it doesn't seem to suit that track. And everybody's got a decent speed. They're so tight together. The only way to get position on somebody is to actually dive into the corner and almost, you almost got to 
slide job them to get out of the corner almost because it's just there's no the outside can can hammer you down on the bottom and you just can't even you can't get off the corner and if you do get off the corner you're spinning to the inside well they were talking about this on the door bumper clear podcast they were saying that uh this track seems so much more aero dependent than it used to and that you would push harder behind the car than you used to so i mean i i thought there was tons of grip out there until all of a sudden there wasn't Right. See, yeah, I think I I'm the only one that I would say I think I'm the only one that didn't have any issues except for crashing. Yeah, and the um, other thing that that was an issue at Richmond seemed to be the blown engine after just a tiny bit of damage. Right, that happened to me too. I took 15 tape off on that race where I got the damage, 15 percent off, and was still and was still overheating. All right, uh, David, how's our standings going? Okay. As of post-Richmond in the open, Chris had a slightly better finish with me than me, opening up his lead to 20 points again. And Stiver still hanging out there in third, 29 points behind. And then in the fixed league, uh, Brent bringing home that win. We had already talked about it last week, but it's in the points now. But Hull is also staying right on his tail. McCoy takes the lead back, but Hull is on, uh, Bill Hull, our social media guy, is only five points behind. And Ellis is keeping up 24 points behind. Everybody's within a race. All right. Road to pro. Brent McCoy got wrecked by a lap car out of third. Yikes. Yeah, uh, he was he was running good. I was uh, crew chief in him because I didn't get there in time for the race. He was uh, top three car the whole race and just on the – 30 to go. Got wrecked out at four. Dang. All right. Uh, and then, Chris, uh, you got a P4 and the uh, OBRL. Yeah, Tony and I um, ran uh, Irwindale Monday night in the K&N cars, and it was, a, it was a pretty fun race. It's a tough track to pass. Um, I did make uh, one pretty dumb mistake. I, I wrecked, um, Kevin in the 89 car. I was, I tried to, he left me a door or he opened the door on the outside coming out of the corner. And I just kind of stuck my car in the hole. And that was kind of a dumb thing to do, trying to make a pass on the outside like that and turned him, but had the fastest lap of the race and passed the most cars. It was probably one of the better OBRL races I've had. All right. And Tony, you almost made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally f uh, flip side to Chris. Um, my, my finish was terrible. I don't even know where I finished. Um, I, I didn't even look. I DQ'd on the last lap. A um, little bit of a rough race for me. Uh, kind of, sort of. I ended up getting into the back end of somebody. He was checking up for somebody else, and we were inches apart. I just didn't have any time to react. Um, smacked a wall for a couple points, and then... Uh, a couple of guys spun in front of me. Same idea. I just didn't have any room to move around. So that put me out of the race. But I mean, other than that, like I had, I had a blast. It was a fun race. Um, guys were racing hard and, and clean really for the most part. I mean, it's a, it's a small track, so, but, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. The, All right. the, the DQ is probably also, I don't know if anybody else has had this problem, but I still haven't seen uh, a two X for car contact in, once, like if you touch another car, it's 4x. That's a yeah. problem with a 9x incident limit on a short track. There you go. All right, and then Podium Esports, Brent, he got wrecked out after about 20 laps at Southern National. All right, and that's it. Final thoughts. Uh, first up, Chris Scales. 
And I want to thank uh, Matt for sticking around for the whole podcast. Man, it was really awesome to have you around, and it was it was great to have you stick around and and participate. Usually, I think that that offer is always on the table, but nobody ever takes this up on it. <laughs> hey, thanks. Uh, yeah, enjoy it. Hanging out, talking sim racing. What's uh, not there to like? Exactly. All right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, David Hall. Chris, though my thunder. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Looking forward to this weekend. We're going to be running at Sebring in the Le Mans Enduro Series. Me and Mark and hopefully Greg are going to run. Me and Mark are still sitting second in the point standings under division. So I practice, David. Sebring is one of my favorite tracks now. It's that I'm really good there with the Ferrari. I'm not as fast, though uh, I now have two really, really unlucky moments in that prototype. Tuesday night, I think, I was running... Uh, first 15 second lead it was a small field late at night but 15 second lead and pop the power goes out Ooh. and it it actually blew up the amplifier for the cable service our entire apartment building uh was out of internet and cable for the rest of the night dang well that's first world problems all right greg <laughs> hectus I was going to say, David, before you didn't say on your stream that you were going to win the I, thing like you did last time, right? Nope. I didn't say shit the whole time I was in the lead. <laughs> I didn't even say I was in the lead. And then still, it happened. One of the best moments on your stream is still when you tried to call that win. Uh, anyways, uh, actually, I want to give a shout out to all the listeners. Uh, Matt uh, brought in a bunch of viewers to the uh, uh, Twitch page today. Um, so that's uh, good to see that people are interacting in the chat there. I was trying to keep up with it. Um, so anybody that, uh, you know, follow our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, for the iRacers Lounge. Uh, we're always interacting there if we can. Um, you can also follow me on Frozen Cactus. Um, so that's twitch.tv slash Frozen Cactus. Frozen with two O's, Cactus two K's. And... I'm just looking forward to getting back to racing. I think what Talladega is next week. So this should be a good NIS week. Yes. Yeah. Keep sharing the podcast guys. We're growing. Mason Stiver. Final thought. Yeah. We, uh, we missed a story that was time sensitive. So I wanted to make sure I brought it up here. It's the, uh, super session for this week is the NASCAR tour modifieds. Chris scales and, uh, Josh leader and I were, running those a little bit the other night trying to get something at bristol here and uh that's that's your super session for the week so check out the tour modifies we'll get that money man all right tony groves final thought yeah well in our hardware software section i was talking about this you know crazy shifter that costs like seven million dollars um we haven't had any you know good budget full of ingenuity uh wrapped up in duct tape in in quite a while so i guess this is a uh, a request to the listeners if if you guys got something you know crazy it don't it don't have to look pretty it's just got to work well and work for you um hit us up i want to see those pictures i want to talk about it i want to geek out over that stuff anybody can you know throw a wad of cash at anything and and have cool stuff. I wanna, I wanna see these, uh, these cool builds. He wants yeah. to, Sim he wants to corner. compare them to his labels. Yeah, send them over, guys. Send the pictures. We'll take a look. Uh, Tony Rochette, final thought. Oh, just say, just same thing. What Greg said. Uh, just follow us on our Twitter, uh, 
Facebook. We do have an Instagram now. It's iRacers Lounge Podcast, all one word. Um, I just can't wait for Talladega. That's usually one of my best tracks. I won a Carb Cup last week, and I had almost won the thing, but eh, we'll see. Before we go with that, too, uh, I want to thank uh, Tony for taking over the Twitter page, uh, too, and and the Instagram and doing some of our social media stuff. He's been doing uh, a, a good job for the last, what I think it's been a, a week now that you've been doing it, and uh, I want to thank you for taking it over. Yeah, good job. All right, and Matt Malone, final thought. Hey, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me on, and I appreciate what you guys do here you guys put a lot of work into uh the podcast and um yeah i just really look forward to uh what it's going to turn into in the future and i'll do my best to uh let people know about it and if you guys want me back uh uh definitely can do that in the future and i'm bummed that i will not be able to do talladega next week because i'm going to be in vegas so um <laughs> that sucks because I got into oval racing uh, with super speedways, but uh, oh well. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun, and it was great talking with you guys. I was hoping you'd be out there so we could team up because uh, we are the same I rating. And uh, but we'll get we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Matt. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome anytime. Uh, we'll have you back for sure. Uh, my final thoughts. I'm going to keep it short. Uh, because of my voice, I'm glad I made it through the podcast. Uh, glad for Talladega next week. Boy, I'm excited uh, based on how I ran in that Carb Cup race against uh, Ray and those other Pete guys. Man, I am stoked. So let's get it, man. We'll see you guys on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.